welcome to Powering Through Life, a show dedicated to exploring topics of life that are challenging, that keep us stuck in doubt and mistrust, which can prevent us from living life to our fullest potential and having loving relationships. I'm your host, Teresa Sims, and together with my guests, we bring to life strategies, tools, and ideas that anyone can incorporate easily into their life to promote happiness, better relationships, and personal peace. Our foundation in Powering Through Life is to inspire, motivate, and ignite your dreams to life. Hi, and welcome to Powering Through Life, and my guest today is Gregory Downey. And Greg is known as the Gratitude Coach. He is a best-selling author of Attracting Miracles and My Secret Life as a Miracle Coach. Ooh, I love that topic. He's also an international high-performance personal development coach, mastermind, master mindset coach, and belief breakthrough expert. And Greg's expertise includes client identify, helping clients identify and overcome limiting beliefs, increasing powers of creative visualization, law of attraction, and strengthening intimate relationships. Gregory, thank you for being with me today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, Teresa, thank you for inviting me. And I I am so grateful for the opportunity. Oh, I just love chatting with you anyway. So this is a, a great time to be able to do this. So in keeping with our Powering Through Life theme, would you please tell our listeners, Uh, what adversities or challenges you had to overcome when you were a child? So I I grew up in a broken home. Um, I I lived with my mother until I was about three years old and then moved in with my father, who uh, was an alcoholic, drug addict, um, was very uh, abusive emotionally, verbally, and physically. And that was the environment that I grew up in. I I grew up in an environment where uh, I never felt safe. I never felt belonging. Was always uh, taught to not trust my feelings and to not uh, feel that I was allowed to have feelings. Was always told that, um, uh, you know, I was called names if I expressed emotion, if I cried or if I, you know, was sad or, or, um, you know, scared. There wasn't a lot of nurturing, you know. Um, and, and that was just, you know, basically how I grew up by the time I was in elementary school and junior high school. Uh, you know, my biggest fear every day was, you know, am I going to get beat? You know, when I get home, is my father going to be waiting to, you know, to hit me when I come in the house? And there were times where I would come home and, and he'd be, you know, waiting for me kind of in a, in a, uh, this dark alcove in our kitchen where the laundry was. And he would hear me walk across the gravel. And if he was angry for some reason, he would get up out of his recliner, go wait for me to come in the door. And, 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 uh, he would try to, you know, hit me undetected. And so, um, a lot of times, you know, I'd come into the house and that would be my greeting. And then I'd have to run to my bedroom and, you know, try to outrun him. And, then he'd usually follow me and, you know, and uh, so I spent a lot of time uh, trying to, to hide under my bed, you know, to get away from him when I was, when I was younger. And, um, 
you know, that was how it was. You know, you just, uh, you never knew when he was going to get angry and throw something or get angry and, you know, haul off and smack you and you weren't expecting it. And, uh, and so that was, um, that was, that was a big part of it. However, I think the most difficult thing was being told that I was worthless, uh, being told that, um, that I would not amount to anything in my life. Um, he used to say things like he would take me out in the backyard and shoot me and bury me and nobody would care, you know, nobody would miss me. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I realized that it was the, the verbal and emotional abuse that had the greater impact than any of the physical abuse. You know, the, 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 the physical pain goes away, you know, it doesn't really linger, but it's the, the emotional and mental pain that, that tends to last the longest. And um, it culminated when I was uh, 15 years old. Um, he attempted to take my life. And by a miracle, the gun that he had put against my head didn't go off. And I was able to get out of the truck and to, uh, you know, to escape, you know, being in that situation. And uh, I talk about that actually in, in my book. And, and so, um, yeah, that was just kind of how it was, you know, until I got to a point in my life where I started to figure some things out and to realize that it was he that had the problem and it wasn't me. And that's, that's the best thing that you can acknowledge and recognize for yourself because that's when the healing starts to take place, right? When you, yeah. you make yeah, that um, acknowledgement that you aren't the problem, he is, and yeah. take steps to put the problem right where it belongs and to take the best care of yourself. So what did you do? Yeah. What did you do to you know, it's it's interesting because um, when I left that environment, I actually ended up um, being on the streets and living with friends and sleeping in, you know, friends' cars. And, and um, you know, I, I spent a whole winter actually sleeping on a friend of mine's back porch. You know, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a place for me in the house uh, because his live-in girlfriend, he was a little bit older than me. But his live-in girlfriend uh, didn't really want somebody living with them, but they did have space on this back porch area that was semi-enclosed. And um, so that was, uh, so I lived there for a while and then ended up moving in with a cousin who I ended up sharing rent with. Um, and, you know, the most profound thing was uh, having a, a deep sense of higher purpose. And I, I, I look back and realize that, that even from a young age, I used to wonder about the big picture, you know, that, that, uh, I used to, uh, I used to feel that there had to be more to life than I was experiencing. And so for, a number of years, maybe three or four years, my biggest frustration was feeling like I was meant for something, but not knowing what to do or, or how to, you know, or, or just not knowing what to do or, or, or how to make 
that a real thing? Um, and, and feeling like I needed somebody to invest in me, but nobody was, you know? Uh, and it's interesting because by the time I was about 17, 18, uh, I started listening to Wayne Dyer on public television during, during uh, fundraising drives. And that really opened me up to a new way of thinking. And then I would stay up late and watch Tony Robbins infomercials and uh, started getting exposed to these different ways of thinking. And that led me to secondhand stores and used bookstores and finding books about personal development. You know, I was basically broke, you know, couldn't, couldn't really buy new books, but I'd go out and I would invest in used books, you know, 25, 50 cents, 10 cents, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and I got really good at spotting titles of, you know, books that were about personal development. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just started building my library and investing in my own education. And um, it was by the time I was, uh, it was about the middle of my 19th year before I turned 20 that I'd kind of come around a corner, had somewhat of a spiritual awakening, and then um, made a major transformation. You know, just realized that I, 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 can't, I can't live that way anymore. I, I have to follow what it is that I feel inside because I feel like I'm meant for something more. Um, and I started to find answers and started to take action. And I started to draw lines in the sand and I made a decision that I could never go back to being lost, that it just was no longer an option. Well, it's, it's not only just feeling lost. It's like you're dying inside and there's, there's nothing, right? It's a big black void and that's not the yeah. way we're meant to be. We're meant to live, thrive, yeah. and grow. And uh, so when did you learn to be able to trust your, your gut feelings? Is it during that transition time? Uh, that's when it started. Um, but where I really started to trust my gut was probably by the time I was about 23. Uh, I had a mentor. I, I was selling Kirby vacuum cleaners. And um, his name was Del Thompson. And he was a Kirby dealer uh, in the town where I was going to college in Idaho. And um, we'd spend a lot of time, you know, in his van going to places where we were going to sell Kirby's and uh, I had a lot of exposure to audios and he'd feed me more books. And, and um, it was really, it was really, I think that relationship with Dell, um, you know, he was a really powerful mentor in my life. I think that was when I really started to believe a bit more in myself and in my ability. Um, and it was his willingness to invest in me that uh, opened me up to really listen to what he was saying, because it wasn't just words that he was, he was really investing in me. He was investing in my skill set, investing in my success. Uh, he was investing in, 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 uh, you know, my, my livelihood. And, uh, you know, he, he really taught me, a lot about, um, you know, 
uh, trusting, you know, what my feelings were and, and what my hunches, I guess, were if, if, you know, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So it was by, it was by the time I was about 23 that I really started to, to um, tap into my inner guidance system, I guess, if you will. And how much of a difference did that make in, in your life and what you were planning on doing? Oh, it, it, it made all the difference. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I it didn't perfect everything, but it, it started to steer me uh, in a direction and give me a, a more sense of definiteness or, or I guess a, a sense of certainty and, and knowing the direction that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And was it odd for you in the beginning when Dell started to take an interest in you? Did you feel a little uncomfortable? Like, I'm not worth this. Why is this guy spending so much time on me? I'm not really. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. all those beliefs yeah. come back and Why me? Them. Why not somebody else? Yeah. You know, what does he see in me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because, um, because uh, you know, fast forward later on, I got to a place in my life that was kind of a crossroads and a place of crisis. And, um, you know, I talk about the crisis in my book, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't talk about the experience that I had with Dell. Um, but, but I had this dream where, and, and it was kind of interesting because Dell liked to dance that he, uh, he, uh, grew up in Southern California and, uh, he and his wife did a lot of ballroom dancing and, and he was really into this kind of whole road show, uh, you know, Disneyland type, you know, productions and, and really like dancing. And, you know, we'd be talking and he'd share, you know, some, some principle of, of personal development and he'd kind of get excited and, and he'd break out like in a dance move, you know? <laughs> and, and it was interesting because he would dance at random. You know, he kind of do these random dance poses at, you know, and it was kind of interesting seeing, you know, this guy that's in his late sixties, you know, um, but just full of youth, very robust. And I had this dream and um, I really was at a crossroads and, and was, was uh, struggling to overcome some of the beliefs that I had that were coming from my father. And it was the first time that I think I've ever experienced a catharsis, like a heaving catharsis. And um, it was, it was just over this idea that I couldn't let my father be right. I felt like I was failing and I had made some dumb choices and I felt like that was proving that he was right. It was proving all the things that he said, right. And it was such an emotionally, effective thing you know and i and and i just you know it had this uh, this huge catharsis and that night i had a dream about dell and in the dream i was sitting on the curb and we were the van was parked there and we were talking and he jumped off of the curb did like this dance move like dell you know would and did this dance pose and then he said you know son he said, you just got to do what you were meant to do. And, 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 and I remember waking up 
you know, and, and realizing, you know, he's right. I just got to do what I was meant to do. And, and none of the things that my father ever said would ever matter. Well, it, it had such a huge impact and it was, it was such a turning point for me that I thought, you know, I should call Dell and, and tell him about this dream and thank him. Well, his wife answered the phone and uh, said that Dell had passed away just about 30 days before. Well, that's fascinating, isn't it? And but... I believe, I believe that Dell Thompson had come through the veil into my dream and was intervening in my, in my life. That, that he still, that, that he still was interested in me and interested in what was happening in my life, even beyond the veil, that he still had a personal interest in my success. I, I believe totally that with agree. everything. I, I, yeah, yeah, I would totally agree because I, I have similar, and, and, but, yeah. And what and your father was doing was, was not uh, who you are. It's who yeah. he was. And, That's right. And, yeah. and when I shared that with Sally, when I, when I shared that with Dell's wife, I told her, I said, you know, he jumped off the curb, struck a dance pose and said, you know, son, you just got to do what you were meant to do. And she's like, that is so Dell. Oh. Because, you know, she married to him for years. And, and, um, and that was exactly, you know, who Dell was. That was, that was, and he did it in a way that you know that 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 I would not be able to deny that 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 it was that it was real that you know that uh, that it was um, you know that that was Dell intervening in my life at a time that that I needed divine guidance that he was an angel for me absolutely and those angels really do exist I totally believe in oh, that as well. Uh, oh. you know. I yeah. believe it 100 <laughs> percent yeah so have you had that experience since then or was it just uh, the one time that yes yeah yeah so uh my wife's grandfather um intervened in my life through a dream uh later on at another point and he did it in a way that made it clear that and and he revealed something to me that i could not that he knew that i did not know about um, about uh, his life with my father-in-law, and um, and it was a story that, like, somehow they, they never told me. But in this dream, he was giving me counsel. He rode off. Well, he rode up to me on this snowmobile, like a skidoo, but it was a snowmobile that he that he had made, like made out of, you know, like farm equipment parts and an old motorcycle engine. And, and um, they had actually made two of them and they used them for hunting out on, out on these prairies in Idaho. And they would use them to pull elk and to pull deer. And he rode up on it. We had this conversation and then he rode off and kind of you know, rode through this ditch and off in, into this pasture. And, um, but the, it was the words of counsel that he gave me that were really profound. And I asked my father-in-law, 
I said, uh, I said, dad, I said, did you and granddad like make your own snow machines when you were a kid? And he looked at me, he said, why? And I said, is that something that you guys did? I said, because I had this dream about granddad a few nights ago. And I said, he wrote up to me and I described it. And he said, well, I'll be darn. He said, that was granddad. He said, yeah. He said, when I was in elementary and middle school, he said, dad had, had decided to make these snow machines that we would use for hunting. And, uh, and they would also use them to chase down coyotes. Right. And, uh, and I described them and I had never seen pictures, didn't know anything about it. And, uh, he said, yep. He said, and he said that, and that sounds like something that granddad would say. And it was, um, it was when we were making the decision to whether or not we were going to come to Sweden. Mm. And so it was, um, it was, but I, but I had another intervention with my grandfather, which is kind of what started me wanting to reinvent myself. And that was when I was about 18, um, that I had a dream where he had come back from being dead and we had an interaction. And, um, and what was interesting was after that time, um, the thing that he left me so that I wouldn't doubt you know, my own sanity. Cause you know, we, we, we can sometimes gaslight ourselves a little bit if we're not careful, you know? Yeah. And, uh, after, after I had that experience, I sat up in my bed and I took a deep breath and I could smell my grandfather's aftershave in my bedroom. Like it was, it was plain as day as though he had been standing there and walked out of the room. And, uh, and I, I and, and I, I wasn't an extremely spiritual person at that time, or at least I didn't, you know, realize that I was. Um, and my grandfather had been passed away for about two years at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, and that was, that was, that was a turning point that, that kind of, you know, set me to seeking answers, but it was also the turning point that I think started the biggest battle in my life because, you know, I, I realized that, I was born for great things. And I don't know if people, you know, that are listening to this believe in good and evil and believe, you know, in God and Satan, whatever you call it. But I believe it was at that point that the battle for my, for my soul began, that, that, that I was awakening and I was going to discover my purpose in life. And I believe that there were dark forces that, that thought that they had me wrapped up. Um, and and they weren't willing to 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 let go that uh that um i represented something valuable to them because i i was making a lot of bad choices at that point in my life and here i was choosing that i was going to uh you know move out of the darkness and into the light and that was the first big profound spiritual experience that i had and that's an amazing step to take. And, and I think I've honestly felt that same um, tug of war as well. And yeah. it's not oh, pleasant yeah. when you feel like you're going to fall off the cliff into this big pit. And yet, you yeah. know, in your heart that there's something you're meant for. You just can't figure out what it is or you haven't had the guidance to find out what it is or to explore. Right. 
and um, or or you look back when you look back you see that that things were put into your life that were designed to throw you off track or to trap you or trip you up yeah exactly and i've seen that too yeah and that that's uh that's why the world needs sometimes just compassionate people to help them absolutely uh, you know talk to share to interact and and that's what we do on a daily basis right as coaches we we just kind of help people get through the fog get through the the stuff the, the mud the blood whatever you want to call it that keeps them stuck and trapped and and i know for you it's been a- well and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the thing that has given me probably the strongest ability like the thing that has magnified my ability to to uh to work in the lives of other people was making the decision that I needed to first help people have a better life at whatever the cost, whatever that, that I had to put aside all other motivation and that I had to make my life about helping other people to have a better life as a, as a husband, it's my role and responsibility to help my wife to have a better life as a father, to help my children have a better life as a friend, as a son, as a brother, you know, that, that my role is to, to connect with people in a way that helps them to have a better life. And, and that has opened up the universe to guidance that I don't think I could have ever expected on behalf of other people, not just for myself, but receiving divine guidance that, that, that leads me in how I need to help others, like what I need to do, what I need to say, what I need to offer, questions I need to ask. And it's because my first purpose is to help people have a better life. Do you feel, and, Gregory, that divine guidance, when we receive messages like that, that it's not necessarily about us, it's for us no, it's in about service of someone That's else? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's interesting is when you commit to first help other people have a better life, that's when divine says, okay, I can use you as a conduit because there's no ego there. Yeah. Right. For the first part of my coaching career, there was a lot of worry about feeding my family and making money and chasing money and, you know, going through the humbling that I went through with making a terrible financial mistake and, you know, losing a lot of material things and, you know, going from being, you know, a homeowner in a paid off home to, to renting a duplex and having to, you know, deal with neighbors and, you know, kind of being reduced to the things that, that I believed um, were signals that I wasn't successful and then coming to terms and being okay with that. Being okay with not fitting that picture um, and then going through all of the anxiety that came after that and the panic attacks and, um, you know, those things made me infinitely more compassionate for people because, because I saw that people couldn't see what I was dealing with and therefore I couldn't see what other people were dealing with unless they would tell me. Right. They had to, because a lot of times we don't see it. We don't know 
what they are experiencing on the inside. And therefore, the only, the only thing that we have to offer the creator is to be loving and compassionate. That is all, that's all we have. That's all we can do in return for the blessings that we have is just to be loving and compassionate to other people. Yeah. That, that's really all we have. All I can do is I can, and, and second, to be willing to work to help people have a better life. And do you feel those that, two things have. Do you feel that being put back into that place in time with the duplex and the stress of feeding your family and all that was put in front of you for a specific reason at that point in time to wake you up for some Absolutely. greater purpose? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, I would have never been able to fulfill my potential as a coach if I didn't lose this perception that I had to create this picture of success. It was all ego, the house, the vehicles, the toys. It was all ego. I would, because, because I believed that I needed to prove my father wrong that I had to prove my father wrong and I had to prove all of the people that ever said that I wouldn't amount to anything, that I had to prove them wrong. That, that, that was my egoic uh, compulsion. When I could that, never, if I said, go ahead. When did that stop? Uh, that stopped. Uh, that stopped when I realized that the only way to free myself from uh, the anxiety was to get present. But it was, it was a conversation that I had with my wife. And I talk about this in my book. We, we were backing out of our driveway. And I, I forget what I was talking about. And she told me I was full of it. But she didn't say full of it. She, and my wife usually doesn't use bad language. But she said, you know, you're full of crap, basically. <laughs> And I was like, where did that come from? She said, you know, she said, you, uh, you sit on the phone with your clients and you tell them that they have to be grateful for where they are, that they have to live in the moment. You know, you tell them all these things that you're not doing and look, and look, look what it's resulting in. Your problem with anxiety and panic is because you're so worried about the past and so hung up on the future that you can't live in the moment. And that was the best advice I'd ever gotten. That's a heck of an awakening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, it was when I learned to get in the moment and I learned, you know, uh, to be in touch with what I was experiencing that I realized that, oh, crap. Like, we really don't know what other people are experiencing if they don't tell us. And it drove me to be more compassionate. And that desire, that, that wanting to be more compassionate opened me to other ideas that I don't think I was ready for before. And, you know, I started uh, looking at things from a different perspective. And, um, you know, I became exposed to this concept that, that everything that we do is about connection. Everything that we do in business, everything that, you know, our relationships, everything is about connection. And if you really want to succeed, you have to, you have to want to connect with people in a way that's authentic. And the only way for people to feel that you really have their interest at heart is to have a pure desire to help them have a better life.
That's it. Everything else is bullshit. Yeah. And they'll see right through it. Excuse my language. Yeah, well, that's that's the truth, really, you know. And uh, I think, yeah. you know, when we get to be at a place of peace within ourselves and recognize the gifts yeah. that we've been given and we have the ability to help someone else, that that's where the pure peace comes in is when we start giving to others and we start helping others. It doesn't hurt us at Absolutely. all at all you know and I, I think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing and i hope you thanked your wife for that <laughs> oh many times many <laughs> times and I, I would have been highly remiss if i didn't you know if i didn't publicly acknowledge acknowledge her in my book because uh i've always even before that i used to say that she's my warm personal enemy right she's the person that says you know that tie really sucks but i love you you know or or <laughs> that uh that that she's she's able to just you know be brutally honest and that took um, that took courage for her to do that that took a lot of courage for her to be willing to confront me on that level yeah you know because you know I, before that I was a guy that didn't I didn't like to be contradicted you know that was part of my ego yeah. And she just laid it out there. She just walloped me. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, uh, I appreciate that you were willing to let go of whatever the outcome was going to be from that. Well, that just proves that really she is. loves you that much, that she's willing to, oh, you know, go absolutely. to that extreme. So that, that's fantastic. So, Gregory, what three pieces of, of information would you leave our listeners with as to um, the the best way to go about changing um, your situation. Does that make sense? Is that a good starting point? Yeah. So it's a great question. And, and I'll tell you, if, if you follow these three steps, uh, it, it, it'll just lead to your best life ever. Number one is you have to get present. You have to learn to take time every day to get present. And what does that mean? That means get present with yourself because, and to look inside and to actually become aware of what it is that you're feeling at any moment. I, I tell people to check in regularly, mm -hmm. to get present, to become aware of what your emotional patterns are. And if there's anything emotional that's happening that you wouldn't choose for yourself or that you're not happy with, then choose to take action. Don't let it stay there. That's take those action. automatic thoughts that come in, right? That uh, yeah. that we have a lot of times and we're not even aware of it. Those automatic thoughts come Absolutely. in and our mood changes, our personality can alter. And we, we may not notice it. And if you're, if you're not checking in, if you're not getting present, then you're on autopilot. And that leads to suffering and all self-sabotage comes from suffering. Yeah. And yeah. so... So you get present, you become aware, and then you make a choice to take action. If I was going to throw some gravy on that, it just goes back to, to emphasizing, you know, this idea that, that you have to make your life about helping other people have a better life. And then you'll, you'll get anything you want. Everything that you could desire will come to you if you're committed to work to help people have a better life. You you often hear people say, you know, I'm, I'm following my passion. I was told to follow my passion. The success isn't coming. It's because that's self-centered. 
if you make it, uh, if you make it selfless, meaning that if you work to help other people have a better life, you can work your passion into that. And then the doors open, the doors of abundance, you know, they just open. Absolutely. Because, you know, we're not meant to live in isolation. We're communities. We're meant yeah. to be in communities. We always, from the beginning of time, have lived in community aspects. So in service of it's each all other. all about connect. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's all about connection. You know, it's interesting. I'll just share this little thing that gives people something to think about. Um, you know, a substitute teacher never gets the respect or the love of the students that are in the class because the, the substitute teacher doesn't have a connection. The, the, the students don't trust that that, they don't trust yet that that teacher is there to protect them and to, 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 to have their best interest at heart. There's no connection. And, and when there's no connection, it can't be expected that those kids are going to behave in a way that the teacher would like to. And so the teacher then has to report, re resort to, you know, uh, corporal punishment or firm discipline. And that is opposite of, I believe that's opposite of God's design, that, that, that we want to perform and please uh, we want to perform for and please those that we feel a connection with. And you know, that's how parenting is done. That when you form those bonds and, those, and, and you create that safety, the desire to do the right thing is automatically there. And, and so you know, if I could tell people anything, just go out and, and create you know, bonds of love and compassion. Just go out and serve people. That's a great piece of information. That That is fantastic. Because once we do something for someone else, it makes our hearts sing. But it also, like, look at the face of the person that you're helping. Absolutely. Watch their Absolutely. face. Watch it light up. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people around my area that are starting to tie the, the winter coats around the trees and telephone poles. Because it's kind of cold here. And, and where you are, too. Yeah. And, you know, one homeless person. You don't even have to see who it is. You don't. Right. It's just yeah. a matter that you knew, you know in your heart, you've done something awesome for another human being. And that's what it's Sometimes like. it feels better when you know that they don't know who you are because then it, there's no ego. Yeah. Right? You're not, you're not doing it for recognition. You're just doing it to, to, to make a difference. Absolutely. So... How can we get in touch with you, Gregory, if someone wants to get in touch with you? And yeah, so yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I sent all of the links on Facebook. You can just look for my name and find me on Twitter. You can just look for the Gratitude Coach. And then on LinkedIn, you can just... Um, put my name in. I'm pretty easy to find. Or you can just Google me. That'll work too. And I happen to know you're an awesome coach. I've had experience you. with you and Thank so you. has my husband. And, yep. uh, and you were also part of my book journey to help me get connected with the best authorship coaches in the world. And I thank you for that. And uh, well, I, well, you're amazing. <laughs> thanks. I see that you have um, a saying that you'd like to leave us with. Do you have that with you or do you want me yeah. to? Yeah. So doubt and fear are just scarecrows that stand in your field of view.
Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, so they're not real. And scarecrows aren't real. And scarecrows, um, it's kind of a play on words because, you know, you usually see scarecrows standing in fields, right? And uh, the things that we see, the things that we perceive, that's our field of view, or you can, you know, say that, uh, that um, you know, you call it your paradigm, but doubt and fear are just scarecrows. They're not real. Like and they're it. just put there, they're just put there to try to scare you off. Mm. Roadblocks in the way of our path to our happiness and success. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Thanks, Gregory. I really am so glad we finally got to do this and we found a convenient oh, thing for both of us since we're in opposite uh, countries. That's that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I would love to yeah, well, have you back you so again. Yeah. I would love to be here. That's yeah, let me know any way that I can serve. Thank you to our special guest, Greg Downey, for being with us today and for sharing the wisdom on just being you and being in service for someone else. That's where it all starts and that's where it all ends, isn't it, Greg? Absolutely. Thank you so much and we'll talk to you again soon. That brings to a close another inspiring segment on Powering Through Life. Thank you to my incredible guests for sharing their wisdom, knowledge, and experience. Join me again next time for more real stories designed to motivate and inspire. Listeners, you can get in touch with me on Facebook and LinkedIn, as well as Twitter. You may also reach me at my website, which is www.teresasims.com. Keep in touch and let's keep the conversation going.